Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I am your host, Emma Gunnar-Wardner, and in this episode, it is over to you. That's right, it is part two. It is a second Ask Me Anything, which means that all of the questions, all of the content have come directly from you. I put out a request on Instagram and Twitter saying, hey, ask me anything, and you have been emailing, you have been DMing, and you have been commenting. So thank you, thank you. I hope that this answers all of your questions and that uh, there's a lot of takeaway from this one and that you find it really useful. Now, I know in my introduction, I normally wang on about, um, please rate, review, subscribe, hey, send me a message, tell your friends. In this introduction, I just want to say thank you, as well as sending in your questions, a few of you have been, not a few of you, a lot of you have been sharing details of what you're going through with me, um, and I just want to let you know how privileged I feel that you're trusting me with this information. Um, some of the messages have made me really cry. Some of the messages have really given me that warm, fuzzy feeling. So um, they're so appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. As you know, I try to get back to everybody as soon as I can. Um, so I just wanted to really put that out there and say thank you. They are appreciated. They do not go unnoticed. And your support of the show means the world to me. And if I can reciprocate by producing a podcast that serves you really well and gives you lots of good positive takeaway, then that is a big, big win for me. So right, I think we need to get into question one. Question one comes from Hannah and she asks, what are some of the most memorable quotes slash advice your podcast has given that have really stood out for you? So instantly I think of Mood Hoovers and Jules Von Hepp because so many people have messaged me or tweeted me or commented on Instagram quoting Mood Hoovers. I think it needs to become its own hashtag. And that was because during the show with Jules, he talked about um, when you meet somebody and they are a Mood Hoover and they either make you feel miserable or they make you feel tired and how these are people that you can't be near (laughs) or or you should avoid being around. And um, that's good advice. And mood hoovers makes it sound fun and light and a bit frothy, but actually it's a pretty serious issue. If you're constantly around people that drain you, how can you be the best version of yourself and look after you and the people that you care about? So I know that a lot of people love that, and I know that I did. I think when, when he said it during the show, there may have been um, some piggy snorting from me because I was like, yes, yes, I absolutely 100% agree. Um, another show... Or another topic that has been has had incredible feedback has been anxiety and anxiety I feel at the moment is getting a bit of a bad rap in the sense of it's a bit like IBS and the IBS is an umbrella term for anything that is wrong with uh, your digestive system really whether it's discomfort whether it's whatever I won't go into details and I feel like anxiety is getting a bit of a oh so many people are saying they've got anxiety Well, do you know what? Anxiety is really real and anxiety is different for different people. There can be your inability to feel comfortable in a crowded room. It can be it can be anything up to a panic attack. So people disparaging the term anxiety makes me want to. Oh, actually, I can't say it because I don't want to be too rude on this podcast. I understand why people think people are using it as an excuse it's like oh I've got anxiety so I couldn't you know I couldn't come to that party yeah I'm sure there are people who fib but people who are being genuine and talking about anxiety goddamn, it is absolutely crippling at times so just give people a break because I've had a lot of feedback now Chloe Brotheridge who's the author of The Anxiety Solution came on the show and I found that podcast really valuable and actually truth be told on my way there, I think I said this in the introduction to the podcast, I had a horrible migraine. I traveled two hours um, to get there. I felt sick as a dog and basically burst into tears when I arrived at Chloe's uh, office because I was just at peak anxiety levels because I was like, I really need to be at home. I don't want to miss out on this podcast. And I just got myself into a complete and utter state. 
And as you can imagine, she was very soothing. But then equally, I've had um, Sam and Nick from Pixie Woo on the show. And Sam has spoken previously about anxiety and she spoke about it in, at some length on the podcast. And to know that somebody who looks to all intents and purposes like life is great, which we all present on Instagram, I hasten to add, it's quite great. It's, it's really lovely to for someone to be able to say, yeah, no, that's not the reality. I, there are some days when I really struggle and when I struggle, it feels like this. Um, so those two shows have been great and what they, for me as somebody who has anxiety, what they do for me, and I know I've had feedback saying, from listeners saying this too, what they do for me is they give me the comfort of going, A, you're not alone, B, you're not imagining this, and C, there's something you can do about it. And that ABC is so unbelievably valuable And even if you feel absolutely helpless and hopeless, the fact that there are those ABCs that you can take comfort in makes such a difference. So Hannah, I think those are the things that have, I mean, everything has, but I don't want to spend an hour talking about how much I've loved every guest because (laughs) that would be a very, very long podcast. Um, Nadine Baggett has been on this show twice and I am pushing her for the three-peat and having her on for a third time. But in the second episode, and obviously all the links to these will be in the show notes over on emmaguns.com. In the second episode, when she talked, really talked at length about skincare, it really made me take a step back from how I, as a beauty writer, write about products. Because she, she's made it her mission not to listen to, not just to listen to what she's told, but to ask the right questions. And, to, and in order to ask the right questions, you have to create your own knowledge and you have to understand what the truth is how can you know if I mean the thing that strikes me or stands out for me is when she said lavender oil is known to lead to cell death now I've never been told about a lavender based product in those terms so you have to take a step back and do your own research in order to be able to know whether something's good or bad and it sounds really obvious but um Often, if you're presented with clinical trials or you're given data, you're like, oh, that's excellent. And actually, it's about that having your sense of, right, this is what I know. How does this measure up against that? Not, oh, explain to me how this works blindly, because you have to ask the right questions. So that was a really valuable podcast for me, actually. I think Jen Sincero, the author of um, You Are a Badass, she's two You Are a Badass books, says you are... You are a badass, how to stop doubting your awesomeness and live your best life. That's not the correct title, but it's along the right lines. And you are a badass at making money, how to um, master the mentality of wealth. Again, I think I've got those titles wrong, but they'll be correct in the show notes. The fact that she was living in a garage at the age of 40 and now in her 50s is earning seven figures is so hopeful. And it's not just about money. It's about changing your reality by making good decisions and going for it and having faith in the fact that if you put the stuff out there that you're supposed to put out that the good stuff will come back so I could again I could talk at length I highly recommend everybody read those two books because it's not just about being a ba- being a badass or it's not just about making money it's really about finding your true voice in many many ways um And that's really what I got from Jen Sincero. And that really stood out for me. Her books I found incredibly valuable. And actually getting to speak to her, I was really um, blown away once more. Another episode, and I'm going to stop it at the fifth, um, is Michelle Visage. Now, Michelle Visage is uh, a judge on RuPaul's Drag Race. I have devoured each and every series of that, including All Stars, more than once. And... um, I really freaking admire her. She is well educated. She speaks her mind. She knows exactly what she stands for, what she believes in. And I really admire that strength of character. And I could not believe she was on my first Ask Me Anything as one of my dream guests. And the reason why she is of such significance and why it's so memorable. Sorry, Hannah, it's less about quotes and advice, but it's more about the fact that 
oh my god, I got Michelle Visage on the show. Wow. This person who I've been watching for years on a show that I absolutely adore was sitting in front of me talking to me on my podcast that I put on iTunes. And I was... And I'm such an emotional idiot that afterwards, when I left, I was sort of walking out and I had my kit with me and I was walking down the street and I my, I wanted to cry <laughs> because I thought, I can't believe this just happened. Surely this is a, a movie moment. This is... If this was in a movie, um, I would music would play and, I don't know, something would happen and it would be such a crescendo of emotions, and it was. But it was that thing of, yeah, you did it. And it was just became normal. I, and it was this weird thing of, you set this goal to interview Michelle Visage, and it happened, and now that's your normal. So that was really wonderful and still... So it gives me chills. I still cannot believe it happened. And not only that, it happened, but she was flipping brilliant and she was so kind and warm and not just when we were recording, by the way, afterwards and before, actually, we were just chatting as it, as if I'd known her for years, which obviously I feel as though I have, but she doesn't feel like she's known me for years. And um, those are, I'm going to keep it to five. Those are the most memorable things that I can think of of the most recent podcast. So Hannah, I hope that that has answered your question. Now for question two. Now, this is kind of uh, an amalgamation of two questions. It's um, a lot of you have been requesting specific shows and a lot of you have been asking what people and what shows I am going to be covering. So I'm just going to put those two together and we'll get an answer. So popular show requests, a lot of you have been asking me to get a hormone specialist on the show. And actually, that is very imminent. Um, I, as I've talked about previously on the podcast, I was diagnosed with PCOS when I was a teenager. Now, there's a lot that goes in with that PCOS, a little bit like anxiety, as I discussed in the previous question. It's um, It covers a lot of things. So um, rather than my anecdotal telling of having PCOS I really want to get somebody on the show who can explain what it is why it happens what can happen if you've got it the best form of defense against it how to manage it all of that sort of stuff so there are a few hormone experts that I have lined up one in particular who I'm actually seeing personally so that show will be not only a broad uh, hormone chat but we can also or I can also bring in um how it's been since I've started uh, seeing her for my symptoms and what I'm going through. So keep your eyes and ears peeled because it is on the way. Um, I know a lot of you want me to touch on fertility as well. Um, some of you have asked for hormone shows, but you've also specifically asked about things like um, fertility in terms of how that relates. So that is definitely something that is on the way. Equally, a lot of you have been asking me to get more nutritionists on the show. You've enjoyed the, particularly enjoyed Eve Kalinic and also Henrietta Norton. And you've asked me to get more people on to talk about diet, but also to talk about weight and weight management and sort of simplify all of that. So again, I'm speaking to some trainers some PTs who will give no nonsense advice about what you can really do in terms of exercise and activity, etc., and also more nutritionists and also people who specialise in weight loss. So that is all on its way, fear not. Now, a lot of you really like the Jen Sincero episode. That had a huge amount of feedback. And um, you've asked for more female entrepreneurs, but you've also asked me what my um, ideal entrepreneurial guest would be. So... I would like to put it out there into the world. <laughs> I would love to have Bethany Frankel on the show. I don't know if I could keep up because that woman can talk, talk, talk. But what she has done in terms of basically creating a business and it's insane how well she has done with her skinny girl brand um, and much more besides it. I don't know if anyone here watches The Real Housewives of New York, but She's obviously very motivated and she sees an opportunity. She's very true to herself. 
So she is a dream guest. So let's all tweet and Instagram Bethany Frankel and get her to do the show because I think she would be absolutely fantastic. Um, it seems to me that she's very single-minded and very driven when it comes to things like business and what she wants to go after. And that is something I would love to unpick. Um, if you have any suggestions, by the way, for any other female entrepreneurs, then please do let me know. But she is uh, the one that obviously stands, uh, stands out for me. Quite a few of you have been asking about acupuncture and Chinese medicine. I had Joanna McGarry on the show, who is a fellow beauty, well, she's a beauty director, um, but she's a beauty colleague and she is now a full-time student in Chinese medicine. And she talked about it on the show. A lot of you have been asking, can you talk a bit more about Chinese medicine, what the theories are, how it works, how acupuncture works. So again, um, I have reached out I hate that expression. I just used it. Oh, God damn. Um, I have asked uh, various acupuncturists and TCMs if they would be interested in coming on the show. And again, that is potentially all on the way, as are shows on yoga, because you have asked if I could get someone on to talk yoga, because, and this is very interesting, because I had a conversation with my friend Ahmed, who is somebody I would like to get on the show. He is a yoga instructor and the way that he talks about it, I would genuinely love for you all to hear because I go onto things like Instagram at six o'clock in the morning and somebody somewhere that I know is doing a freaking headstand and talking about taking a digital detox and I just want to be sick because I'm so jealous. And that's all it is. It's just jealousy. It's like, I want to do a headstand. I want to do a digital detox. I want to be the best version of myself. Why aren't I chilled out? And there's obviously no value in feeling like that. So I spoke to him about this and he just completely, um, the way that he speaks about yoga and the way that he talks about it just makes you realise that rushing to do a headstand or, you know, to be insta-yogic famous is just an absolute nonsense. So, um... He is somebody that I am working towards getting on the show. I think that you will find him fascinating. If you have any specific questions about acupuncture or yoga, please do email them in because I can ask him and uh, we can get them answered for you in the show. So there you go. Those are the show requests and also the people that I would like to get on the show. Obviously, I think it is just known globally <laughs> that I want RuPaul on this show. I don't think it's ever going to happen because I don't think it's its comfort. It's his comfort zone. Michelle was a very generous, amazing guest, but I think that's who she is. Whereas I think Rue has his outlets and he's very uh, selective and specific about what he shares. And I would be, look, if it happens, then pff, yeah, there'll be a party. But um, And I'll ask the question, but uh, who knows? Let's see. Let's all keep our fingers and toes crossed. Question three, a few of you have emailed in to ask me about going freelance. Now, I was, I worked in a magazine for nearly 10 years and I decided to go freelance. And I have been freelance for just over five years and I have been asked for advice and how I went about it. So I'm just gonna keep it real. <laughs> I didn't make a plan. The only plan I made was to leave the job. And then after that, I just, I kind of thought it would all mesh and knit together. And the only thing I really had in my head was, oh, I'll, I'll write for magazines. I'll write for monthly magazines, because that was my goal. I had written for weeklies and I wanted to write for monthlies. And just as an FYI, that does not a freelance career make. You cannot, if I, if I were to go back, and maybe this is the way to answer the question, if I were to go back five years and sit myself down, give myself some advice, what would it be? It would be diversify, look at what else is happening in the world, don't wait for people to come to you, don't look at what other people are doing and then try to do what they're doing, make, a, make your own path, and that, that would be my advice. Um, I did write for monthlies, but not enough to be able to, you know, cover the rent and things like that. So I think if you are going to make that decision, whether it's to go freelance, whether it's to work for yourself, make a plan. I've never made a five-year plan. And every time I think about making a five-year plan now, I think, well, what's the point? I should have made it 
three years ago. But as a, there's a Chinese proverb, but I heard my friend Pip say it the other day, the best day, uh, what is it, to plant a tree is 20 years ago or today. And so I think you've just got to make a plan and decide what you want to do. And the buck stops with me. I'm self-employed. I pay all my bills. And there's there's no option for failure. Like, it has to be done. So this does kind of straddle another question that's coming up later so I want to try and not not double up too much but the thing I would say is sit down and Jen Sincero's podcast is a great one for this sit down and simply write down the money that you need to make every month to keep your head above water not to break even but to keep your head above water write that down figure it out and then make sure that you do it every month and I feel as though having that figure in your mind helps you make better decisions and helps you see opportunities if you just kind of coast along and I remember coast being used in my school report more than once if you just coast along how are you gonna how are you gonna know what success is if you're just coasting and taking what comes your way so freelance can be quite difficult when you're in an office and there's a team of people around you, which I had, it can be motivating, it can be stimulating and ideas often come. So you just have to make freelance work for you. Be really selfish and just decide what you want your day to look like, who the kind of people that you want to be working with and just keep focusing on that and have that figure in your head and just go for it because that's really all there is. If you don't think that you can make that figure, do not make the jump. I know that maybe some people would disagree with me and say, no, if you, you've got to push yourself out of your comfort zone to make it. Well, do you know what comfort zone is having a roof over my head? So I'm not going to do anything to jeopardise that. So that would be my advice. Make a plan. It doesn't have to be some rigid plan that's all PowerPointy and what have you, but um, make make a plan. Figure out what you want to do. Figure out how you want to make a living. What would you feel comfortable making your living out of and do it? And I just started listening to, I was put onto this great podcast called The School of Greatness with Lewis House by um, Dr. Sahir Rocket. I'll put a link to her in the show notes because she's freaking awesome. And he has a mission statement and it's along the lines of he wants to give people the tools via his podcast and website of making a living doing what they love. And it's not about, I think there's this misconception that if you do what you love, then you'll instantly become a multimillionaire. And no, it's about... If you're doing what you love and you can keep your head above water, how excellent is that? So I would, I'm going to put a link to his podcast in the show notes, actually, because I listened to the episode with Julianne Huff, who, if you don't know her, she is a professional dancer. She's a judge on Dancing with the Stars in the US. And she's, I mean, she's gorgeous and an actress and super famous and what have you, but She's obviously done a lot of work on herself. She went to that Date with Destiny, Tony Robbins conference in, where is it, Florida. And if you've watched his documentary, I'm Not Your Guru, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, she's she's a very interesting character and her success hasn't just come on. She's one of those people who you look at and think, well, you're gorgeous, you're bubbly, you're really fit and healthy and slim and you know, gregarious, of course success has come your way. No, she has worked damn hard for it. And the episode with her is a very, very interesting listen. So um, yeah, I would give you the advice of make a plan, plus listen to other people who are doing the kind of thing that you want to do. And even more so, look at people that you admire and listen to how they talk about doing what they love and uh, see what you glean from that. And make a, don't just do it on a whim, think it through because that will be how you make it successful. Now, this has been a very popular question. Question four is, what are my favorite beauty products? Well, this has taken a long time to narrow down because again, I don't want to spend hours on this podcast, but I have tried to, I tried to make it five, it's six, so forgive me. But the first one is, and I just just to clarify, I'm not loyal to products. I'm in a position as a beauty writer where I have 
a constant stream of newness coming through my letterbox and therefore I am the queen of never finishing a product. So what I've tried to do is choose things that I have come back to again and again. So there's not a huge amount of newness here, but these are just things that I will, if I don't have them around, I, I get a bit of a panic on and I'm like, right, I must replenish this, my stocks of that because if I don't have it, there's gonna be a conniption one morning as I'm getting ready. So the first one is Natura Bise The Cure. Now, this is an eye cream that's pigmented. So when I wake up in the morning, apart from this puffiness, this water retention, which is absolutely, I mean, it's almost comical when I look in the mirror in the morning. It's like someone's inflated me overnight. But anyway, that's another topic. I do have um, dark circles and they're not hugely bad, but they're bad enough that I wouldn't now go out without having done something. But I don't know about you, if I sit in front of my mirror and I just put a little bit of concealer on, I can't stop. It's like, oh, I've put concealer on, so I better just put a little bit of foundation on and then it's mascara and then before you know it, it's eyeshadow. And then I'm in full drag and that's just a waste of my time. Especially when it's just to go and do something silly like go to the post office. So what Natura Bise The Cure does is, it's an eye cream, so it's moisturizing, it's got all the benefits that you would expect from an eye cream but it's also pigmented, but it's gentle and safe enough to use on the eyelid and on, and around the eye. So I massage it in quite sort of liberally, I would say, sort of right in the inner corners. And if I just put that on, it's got, it's um, a one shade suits all. So what it does, if you just put it on, go and make a cup of tea, go and have your coffee, come back, you'll find that it's just blended. I always let things cook because otherwise I tend to, I think, oh, I'll just put a bit more on. But if you just, put a tiny amount on, rub it in, walk away for a minute, come back, you just look like a fresher, healthier version of yourself. It's like, it probably has the effect, I don't know, because I'm not skilled enough to do um, airbrushing or face tuning or any of that kind of stuff, but it just, I think, face tunes that telltale tiredness or telltale, <laughs> telltale age away in a way that isn't obvious. So that's why I really love it. And obviously it goes without saying, all of the links to these products will be in the show notes. My second is a tanning product because I always feel that in order to tan, I have to compromise on hydration. So if I want to tan my body, obviously you don't moisturize beforehand and then I spend the night covered in tan product and I wake up and my skin feels dry. It might, be, might look lovely and honey and golden and glowy, but it's, it feels dry, more so on my face. So the fact that the Tan Lux Sleep Oil feels like a rich nighttime product, and it does, and my skin when I wake up in the morning feels really lovely. The fact that I also get a tan, but my skin feels really hydrated is a win-win for me. So that is a new and beloved nighttime product because I do I'm a bit of a I can be quite lazy at night I'm great in the morning but at night I can be a bit like oh I just want to get into bed and read a book or whatever but this is so simple just a few drops massage it all over your face and neck make sure you cover your do sort of your ears a little bit wash your hands boom guilt-free that's all it takes and it's packed with um the kind of rich uh, hydrating ingredients that you'd want from a nighttime product so that is a new number one one that I've had in my makeup bag for a long time, but I had a gap and every morning I'd be like, oh, I need to get it, I need to get it, I need to get it, is Estee Lauder Little Black Primer. Now I'm a big fan of any beauty product that multitasks, but this one is really excellent. And I remember when they launched it thinking, oh, I'm not so sure, really? And now, as I said, if I'm without it, I get a bit of a panic on. So the Little Black Primer does three things. So it's exactly what it says, it's a primer. So you can put it on your lashes and it is a primer for your mascara. The brush is very, very small. It's a very, very short bristly brush. It, it doesn't even look like a proper mascara in the sense, I would say that the bristles are probably a milliliter long. But what that means for me, so you've got your primer element, but it's got a tint in it. 
and it's waterproof. So let me just go back to the beginning. It's a primer, it's a tint, and you can put it over the top of your mascara to make it waterproof. But because it's got that really small brush and it is pigmented, if I wriggle that into the base of my lashes, it actually works as a waterliner for me. I use it to create that tight liner and it, and particularly on my upper lash line, it gives instant definition. It also, if I really wriggle it in and just coat my lashes with it, it's the kind of thing that I can use in the morning or I can use at the gym when I don't really want to wear makeup, but I feel a little bit underdressed because my lashes aren't that thick at the moment. They've gone through a bit of a shedding phase. So this, even though my lashes are dark brown, if I just wriggle that in and put that over instantly, it just gives me that more awake feeling. And it, I know people say, oh, waterproof mascara is great. You can go swimming in it. I've never put on makeup to go swimming, but maybe that's just me. But if you did want to make your um, mascara waterproof, you just wriggle it over the top. Or equally, I tend to use it, I always have it in my handbag, and if I'm leaving work and someone says, do you fancy a quick drink? And I think, oh, I should probably spruce myself up. I am able to put that over the top of my mascara. And you know mascara sometimes feels a bit stiff by the end of the day. This goes over the top without making it clanky or making them look even thicker. It just coats them. And again, you can sort of push your, I always use it to push my eyelashes back, so it almost has like a curling, effect because it sets the lashes so that's one of my absolute favorites I wouldn't travel or go anywhere without it actually to say that Charlotte Tilbury makeup is one of my favorite products is such a no-brainer and so easy because obviously all of her all of her makeup is absolutely incredible but I have tried to find a signature lipstick recently why I do not know but there we are I am drawn always to lipsticks that are the same color as my lips. I get very dry lips and I'm a chewer. So if I wear lipstick, I tend to chew it off. And I hate it when you see on me, but I hate the idea of wearing a really pigmented lipstick and people looking at it and it being feathered or it being sort of bald in places around right in the inner lips where it's obviously worn off. So, Recently, I have been wearing Charlotte Tilbury's Matte Revolution um, lipstick in Hell's Bells. And that is a really intense, rich, dark, purpley red. And I've worn it out to dinner a few times and I've said to my companions, if this starts to go, you have to tell me because I can't sit here comfortably if I think that I look like a fool uh, with an ombre lip that's completely unintentional. And it's lasted through, so there we go. Now, it's Matte Revolution, which isn't my favourite texture, not Charlotte Tilbury, but generally I'm not a big fan of matte lipsticks because my lips do get quite dry, which is making me think that I'm going to try her Kissing Lipstick in Night Crimson, which is a very intense, sort of deep purpley red, and I'm desperate to try that because um, it looks really beautiful and it's got that slightly softer texture, it's slightly more moisturising. Finally, my sixth product, you may have heard me talk about Kerastase or a Botanica range, which uh, doesn't contain any silicone. And it really did make a huge difference to my hair. It still does, but I have been alternating with Way Volume Shampoo. Way is the um, hair range created by Jen Atkin, who is probably most famous for working with people like Chrissy Teigen and the Kardashians. And it's a bodybuilding cleanser and my hair's very fine, it's very um, thin at the front, or it's thinner at the front, I should say. I've got a lot of it at the back, but at the front there's patches of, um, it's patchy, I should say. I have to be very careful where I part my hair. And when I use that shampoo, I it gives me the lift, and I don't have to put loads and loads of mousses and what have you in and blow dry them in, to just get that lift, and to, for it to have a sense of hold, like, Normally my hair just goes very limp and flat and it looks, I look very unkempt. But when I use this, even if I just do nothing but towel dry it and run a bit of dry shampoo through it to add a bit of texture around the roots, it's good to go. It looks um, deliberately disheveled as opposed to just disheveled, which is a nice look. So I'm gonna put all the links to those six products in the show notes, um, should you want to find out more. It's time for question five. And this is, oh, this is a tricky one. 
Anxiety has come up a lot. It's already come up in this podcast. And a few of you have emailed in to ask how I've dealt with anxiety. And in order to be able to answer this question properly, I kind of have to go back to where it all began. And so many of you have been so open with me on email, so I feel like it's only fair that I'm open with you. So I would say, having thought about it and having read more about anxiety, that the signs were there from a very early age that I was of an anxious disposition. But what tipped me over the edge was um, from just sort of anxious to having an issue was um, realising that I had just not made great decisions in my life. Um, There's a scene in the film American History X that sucker punches me every time I see it. And I remember the first time I saw it, which would have been years ago, this particular It's just a line of dialogue, it's a question. And at the time, it really sort of, you know, made my jaw drop. And I I didn't really think again about it until I started having, thinking too much, essentially. And the line in the film is, has anything you've done made your life better? And I asked myself that question not too long ago. And I couldn't, I couldn't give a clear answer to myself. And I was somebody who had kind of let other people be the caretaker of my life, as it were. And I wasn't happy. I wasn't where I wanted to be at all. And I only had myself to blame. And so I'm quite good at beating myself up, being quite hard on myself. And so that's what I did. And that's what tipped me over from being someone who's a bit anxious and, you know, always wanting to have things just so to physically crippling anxiety attacks because I made some big, big decisions. And although they were big decisions that um, have made my life better, so I can now answer that question and say, yes, has anything you've done made your life better? Yes, these things have. The act of doing them and sustaining them was something that in the initial stages, because it was so new to me, tipped me over the edge. And for other people, it wouldn't have been an issue. But for me, it was. And Chloe Brotheridge, who we've talked about, um, who was on this show, who's the author of The Anxiety Solution, said, says in her book, and she said it on the podcast, your anxiety is trying to teach you something. Or look at it that way. And that has been one of the most... Um, helpful pieces of advice because yes it sucks it absolutely there's nothing in the moment of anxiety that feels particularly great but when you do get that clarity to be able to think about it you um, are able to make better decisions for me anyway everyone's anxiety is different Um, but that really that's kind of it and I listened to a lot of podcasts about anxiety when I realised that was what it was. I did think to begin with I was just going plain mad and was losing my mind. But um, I listened to Tim Ferriss. He's written a book. He's not a book. Well, he's written several books. He's a number one <laughs> New York Times bestseller, if you didn't already know. He wrote a blog post, and I forget what it is called, but I will put the link in it to the show notes. All of the questions will have their own section on the um website and he basically talks about having anxiety having dark thoughts and how he helped himself with those things and he also I would like to think I'm someone with a creative mind and he did say you know people with creative minds are more prone to this kind of thing again I will let you find the resources on his website for that which will be on the show notes over on emmaguns.com but that was it and I think things that have helped me so you've asked me how I've dealt with it so I've read more I've read about it I have spoken to other people who've had it I've taken the stigma out of it myself there's no shame in having anxiety it's actually some people it's just a part of who you are and it's an awesome part of who you are so if it can help you become the person that you want to become if it can signpost things that you're doing wrong so that you can make changes, then it's actually a really valuable resource. Doesn't feel like it 
when you're in a sweaty mess at the front door going, I can't leave the house, but it, um, it can be a really positive thing. So that's how I choose to look at it now. Like if I'm feeling anxious, I take a moment and I go, right, why are you anxious? Have you got too much on your plate? Yes. Okay. Well, how can you break all of this down? How can you just make these little steps? And then I'm able to troubleshoot because now I know what it is. I can troubleshoot my way to feeling calm again. And obviously I've talked in the past about meditation. Um, I use the Headspace app, not as often as I should, but I use the Headspace app and I try to... The one thing I notice with me, my breathing goes really shallow. If I'm struggling to breathe, I know that I just need to take a time out. So that's when I'll disappear off. If I'm working from home, obviously it's a lot easier. If I'm out with people, I just will take myself off outside find a quiet space and just try and breathe really deeply for five minutes. It sounds weird, but it just resets the system. But there are so many resources out there for things like anxiety that, again, the most important thing is there's nothing wrong with it. You're not alone and there's something you can do about it and actually use it as a positive. Try and find out what it's trying to tell you and act on that in a way that makes you feel more comfortable and less anxious. So I hope that that has been helpful. Question six. Now, I often post a stack of books on Instagram and truth be told, I don't always get through them as quickly as I would like. So a lot of you have been asking what books am I reading at the moment and I can tell you there are four. So the first book is Facing Codependence by Pia Melody. And I heard about this book on What's the Tea, the podcast with RuPaul and Michelle Visage. Um, And I have listened to another podcast. It was a Tim Ferriss show with Whitney Cummings where she talked about codependence. And I'm going to put the link in that to the show notes. In the first 15 minutes, I remember being on a walk. I was like, I'm going to go for a nice walk in the woods. And I'm going to listen to Whitney Cummings because I really like her. She's very funny. And um, I feel like we would get on if we met. But I feel like that about everyone. Um... But she, in the first 15 minutes, she essentially defines codependence and talks about the manner in which she is codependent. And I nearly had to just have a sit down on the walk because it was like, oh, this is too close to home. This is too close to the bone. So I've avoided actually reading up on codependence, but it is time. And actually, I was out with a friend recently who said something like, just avoid codependent relationships. And I thought, crikey. If someone else can see it, then I really need to know what it looks like. So that's what I've been reading. And it links into the second book, which is Kelly Osbourne's book, There Is No Fucking Secret, Letters From A Badass Bitch. Now, she was the guest on the RuPaul Michelle Visage podcast who talked about facing codependence with Pia Melody and how much it had changed her life. And then I was guilty of thinking that Kelly Osborne was just a reality star and fashion red carpet commentator. And although I didn't mind her, I didn't think I would want to read a book that she wrote. And then I listened to her on that show and I thought I need this book in my life immediately. So I've started writing it. It does feel like it's a book that's been written via dictaphone. So it's very much a spoken book as opposed, if that makes sense. Often when people write books, and I could be wrong about this, um, particularly celebrities, they will um, speak to a ghostwriter or they will speak into a dictaphone and it is then transcribed. And it's got a tone of that as opposed to a book that's been written. And you can often tell, particularly with autobiographies, um, it's still very entertaining and fantastic, but that's how it reads. But it makes it an incredibly easy read because it feels like a conversation. And... um, so far I'm a third of the way through and it's really interesting it's a very very easy read the other book I am reading is The Power by Naomi Alderman and it is because previous podcast guest Terry White put on Instagram everybody should read this book and because I'm such a sucker I just went to Kindle and downloaded it immediately it is um essentially women become the dominant sex and I think I'm going to leave it at that it's a very interesting concept and has everyone I know who's read it just thinks it's fantastic and everyone I know who's read it who's read it says you'll read it in a weekend it's you won't be able to put it down so again I will put the links to that in the show notes and the final one that I am it's downloaded and I'm about to get to it is Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes uh I 
always hear how incredible Shonda is. She should probably be a podcast guest, don't you think? And so um, she is uh, who I want to read next because I just, you know, when you just hear someone's name just keeps coming up in every conversation and you're like, right, I need to tap into this. So those are my four books and I may or may not have just finished Why Men Love Bitches on my Kindle too, but don't judge because, you know, sometimes you just need a book like that. And it was so entertaining and hard, hard, but brilliant to read. Um, Took an afternoon, but hey, I'll put a link to that in the show notes too, should you feel so inclined. Lauren on Instagram for question seven, she says in a nutshell that she tries um, to follow lots of makeup tutorials on Instagram and on YouTube, but that she never feels that she looks right. I feel like I look a bit made up and never look like myself. And I feel bad about the fact that I always wear the same makeup. Any advice? Yes, embrace the rut, please. I had this conversation with someone the other day. Embrace the makeup rut. You don't have to play with your makeup every single day. If you know what makes you look good and you are happy with how you present yourself, and that means you're using the same six or seven products every day, then good for you. Good for you. Now, (laughs) I write about new products all the time because otherwise I wouldn't have any work. But if you feel comfortable and if you feel like you look like yourself when you wear a particular set of colours or whatever it might be, stick to it. You do not have to be a makeup chameleon. You can absolutely wear the same lipstick for 15 years. You can absolutely wear the same foundation. There's actually so much to be said for finding things that you like. I mean, everything in every other part of life, it's about finding loyalty. Like I have a particular brand of coffee that I like, or, you know, a coffee shop that I always go to, or I have a particular magazine that I buy every month, or But yet with makeup, it's like, try this, try this. If green eyeshadow is not for you, it's not for you. And don't let anyone tell you different. Obviously, people like me are going to tell you what trends are out there. But if you feel like you're just spending money on stuff that you're never going to use, spend money on the stuff that you know you will. If you are all about the taupey, mushroomy eyeshadow, don't feel boring. It's fine. If that's what makes your eye colour pop, if that's how you feel comfortable, if that's the colour, texture, whatever it might be that you can apply every day without really thinking about it and look at yourself in the mirror and feel happy about walking out the door, go for it. Tutorials are great, don't get me wrong, they are absolutely fantastic. And I have before, as I'm sure you've seen if you follow me on Instagram, I will be like, oh, I'll just watch one makeup tutorial before bed and the next thing I know it's 2 a.m. and I've got four layers of makeup on my face. That's fun, it makes me happy, but I'm probably not gonna leave the house wearing that makeup. If you find a makeup uniform that you love, there ain't no shame in that. Throw in a red lipstick every now and again or, you know, I don't know, a shimmery eyeshadow if it's something that makes you feel a bit more pizzazzy on a night out. But if you have a makeup bag that works for you and that you trust, go with it. You can always buy a more premium taupey mushroom eyeshadow or spoil yourself with a, with a, you know, a designer eyeshadow palette or a designer blusher. But if you know the colours that work for you and you're happy, that's it. Embrace the rut and use those tutorials as a bit of fun, okay? And you can spend, you know, they can be your drugstore beauty buys, the stuff that you perhaps don't invest too much in and you have your little pocket of makeup that's just for fun and then you can have your day-to-days that you really invest in. That would be my advice. Don't worry about being a beauty makeup chameleon. It's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. And there's nothing, nothing at all wrong with that. Question eight is from Leanne on Instagram. How do you get into writing? It's hard to get noticed. This is somebody who is asking about writing for magazines, I think. How do you get into writing? Sally Hughes said it best when she came on the podcast where she said, if you want to be a writer, then write. And when I first started out in journalism with a chisel and a bit of slate, I mean, it does feel like it was a long time ago. There weren't things like Blogspot. You couldn't create your own website as easily as you can with things like Wix and Squarespace. You can, if you want to, create your own platform. So in terms of getting noticed, it's never been easier, but you have to be consistent. And I do feel like having an Instagram presence is vital these days. Um, I know people who 
have an incredible Instagram presence that will just get noticed and picked up on just because they have created a tone of voice and a particular look on Instagram. So how would I get into writing? You have to write and you have to, you have to just be passionate about something enough to write about it. And if you're not, maybe it's not for you. I actually think it's hard to get noticed if you go down the traditional route, whereas, you know, you write to editors and what have you, because editors don't have the time, perhaps as they did 15 or so years ago when I was starting out, to look at every email that they get, because now most editors are looking at print, they're looking at digital, and they probably have smaller teams. So I would say it's about building up your own profile, writing, creating a website or a blog, and writing. It really is as simple as that. I wish I could say something more interesting, but if you look at some of the people out there who are absolutely killing it, um, they are people who started their own platform. And you don't have to invest tons of money into something like that, by the way. Having an Instagram feed is for free. You don't have to pay to have Instagram. You don't have to pay to, if you've got a phone that you have Instagram on, you can take a picture with that phone. You can also write on that phone. So actually, think about all the ways that you can reach the people that you want to reach, follow the right people. Jules von Hepp said it really well on um, his podcast when he said, Instagram is about curating a feed of images that you want to see. So don't follow people that you don't want to follow, um, but follow people that you want to engage with. So that's what I would say, follow the right people, see what the people who are doing what you want to be doing are doing and try and create your own voice don't copy I think copying ends up ends up just failing in the long run because it's not authentic just be who you are there are loads of people out there who have created huge Instagram presences by just being themselves and that's where the magic happens so be yourself write what you want to be writing about stay curious be informed don't just write opinion if you haven't really looked into the subject and then um yeah, be consistent. That would be my advice. Question nine. Many, 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 many of you have emailed asking about starting a podcast, saying that you would like to, saying that you don't know how to. Do I have any advice? Right, I'm going to keep it in a nutshell. If you want to start a podcast, start it. If you have something that you want to say, say it. I dilly-daddled. Is that a word? Anyway, I spent a long time meandering around starting this podcast. I had the idea in, when was it? Middle of 2015, maybe even earlier. Actually, that's a lie. I wrote a piece for Get The Gloss about podcasts and I bet you it's early 2015. And once I'd really got into podcasts, which is around 2013, I thought, I really want to have one of my own. And it took me till 2016 to actually publish my first one. So figure out what you want to say and say it. And I always come back to this piece of advice from Kevin Smith. I will put the link to him in the show notes because I think he is exceptionally awesome. And I, again, it's just all these people on podcasts I just want to be friends with, but I want to be friends with Kevin Smith. Um, but he has a podcast, Fat Man on Batman. And he said, everyone, if you've got a podcast in you, just do it and do it without any expectation just say what you want to say and then one day somebody is going to send you a message or someone is going to say oh I think the same and it will make you realize that it was the right thing to do but don't delay so that would be my advice don't delay it's very easy to start a podcast well I say that I did cry a few times trying to set up code and things like that <laughs> even that makes me shudder and I still make mistakes but um software you can get free to download software the mic that I use is a Blue Yeti. You can get that on Amazon. It's about £100. Uh, you can get cheaper versions. It's just a USB mic. Um, and it's as simple as that. You don't need a huge amount of investment. You just have to figure out what you want to say and figure out the first five episodes, I would suggest, and go from there. And if you want to do it, you'll do it. It's as simple as that. But don't overthink it. If you have an idea for a podcast, flesh it out and just do it. Don't worry about don't worry about logos, don't worry about artwork, don't worry about just get it out there. And all the other stuff will fall into place. And the most important thing is that you just do it. Google 
how do I start a podcast? And there'll be so many resources for the kind of um, apps, software you can download in order to record. Many people have put up lots of different microphone recommendations. I just chose Blue Yeti because I knew someone who had one who said it has never let them down. Um, It wasn't a huge investment to start it. It's the time more than anything. But if you want to do it, you won't even think twice about the time that it takes. So that is my advice for anyone wanting to start a podcast. Oh, and let me know when it's live and I'll retweet it. Deal? Okay, good. Thank you. (laughs) Question 10, the final question on this episode of Ask Me Anything. A lot of you have been asking it and so I wanted to give the best answer that I could give. But a lot of you have asked what is the best piece of advice that you could give anyone listening to this show. And the podcast covers so many topics and we speak to so many different people. Uh, We've had Paula Begon from Paula's Choice on, who is amazing, Jen Sincero, who is an author, who is an entrepreneur, Sally Hughes, incredible journalist, Nadine Baggett, Sam and Nick from Pixie Woo, Caroline Hirons, all these incredible people. And there's so much advice that I feel like I've learned from them. I've learned so, so much. But if somebody said to me, pin me down and said, what advice would you give anyone? It would have to be this, trust your gut. Every single bad decision I have ever made in my entire life, I knew right from the beginning. My gut told me and I ignored it. I spent a long time telling my gut to shut up. And if I'd listened, some of the stuff that I've had to get myself out of or that has made me unhappy would never have happened. Even recently, I was working with someone and right from the off, I knew how it was going to go, but I still did it anyway. And when it all went south, I just thought, oh, I could see this coming a mile off. Why didn't you just walk away from it? Why didn't you just not get into the boat, so to speak? So my advice to anyone is trust your gut. You always know the right answer. And Jen Sincero says it best when she says, if you do something that you really don't want to do, then you put out a really icky kind of... um, what's the expression? You put a really icky energy out into the world because you're doing something, but actually you don't want to do it, but you're having to fake that you do. And so it's just, it's not about, I think selfishness sounds like a negative thing, but sometimes being selfish and saying, this isn't going to make me happy, so I'm not going to do it, is actually fine. To say, I don't want to do such and such just because you're being a bit of a brat, that's, that's a completely separate thing. But if you think that something isn't right for you, there's a reason why you think that. And only you know what goes on in your head. So only you know, really, what is going to make you happy and what isn't. Other people might know you really well, but they don't actually hear that inner clockwork ticking in your head and know really what makes you up. They've got an idea, and some people have a much better idea than others, but only you know. So my one piece of advice that I would give everyone is listen to your gut and trust it. And I believe having listened to that advice and tried to act on that advice for a while now, it hasn't steered me wrong. Therefore, it's the advice that I would share with all of you, my lovely listeners. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. I hope that you have found it useful. I will put all the links to everything that is discussed in the show notes. I will also put the timestamps to the questions on social media, um, Instagram and Twitter. I'm using Facebook less because it seems to be harder to um, get any traction on, but you guys are definitely Um, involved on Instagram and Twitter so that's where I'm putting most of my content and obviously on the show notes on emmaguns.com if on the back of this show you have any more questions you know what to do email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com or you can dm me on Twitter and Instagram where I am emmaguns it's very simple e-m-m-a-g-u-n-s thank you so much for listening the Emma Guns show will be back next week with a brand new episode and I hope you'll be tuning in then bye